Hello, hello. I am Karen Jean-François, and this is the Women in Data podcast, a podcast where every other week I interview some of the most inspiring women working in data. They discuss how data is used in various industries, share their knowledge and experience in the field, and equip you with tips to help you overcome challenges on your career and feel great. Let's get straight to it. Ready to hear about AI and NLP? I am joined today by Gilareta Gizadeh, lead data scientist at Beamaray and active member of the Women of MENA in Technology community. At the time of the recording, Gilara was still in her previous role at COGEX, and in this episode, she gives a detailed explanation of how artificial intelligence and natural language processing are revolutionizing the podcasting industry. You will hear about how graph-based summarizers enable snippet identification, how cloud-based computing and deep learning helped improve algorithms' performance and therefore allowing the integration of NLP in our daily lives, as well as the top skills needed to make a start in data science and NLP. Gellare closes this conversation by explaining how London's NLP community helped her nurture her passion through knowledge and idea sharing and by showing her what's possible. Hi, Gelare. Hi, Karen. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. I am just laughing right now because just before I hit record, we realized we are almost neighbors. <laughs> We're probably 15 minutes away from each other and we didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. We should catch up for a cup of tea. Definitely. Tea. Such a small world. You're the second guest that lives next to me. So I had Sheila Byfield, who was on the podcast in 2021. And she's also not far from me. So I met her for lunch recently, which was good fun. Today's episode is uh, such an exciting one. And I can't wait to learn from you. Before we get into it, can I invite you to introduce yourself? So my name is Gelare. And I was born and raised in Iran, where I did my undergrad studies in computer engineering and my postgrad studies in artificial intelligence. Then I moved to Vienna, Austria to pursue my PhD in AI. During my postgrad studies, if I want to talk at a very high level, I was almost focused on developing different AI-based algorithms, and uh, I was testing them on benchmark data sets. So I've been always so curious to see how can I use these algorithms in real-world problems and also how can I make money from them. So in 2015, I decided to join industry to bridge my gap between academia and industry. And that was the time that I started to work with data as a data scientist. So data science has a vast spectrum depending on the types of data you are working with, like video, image, numerical data or text data your responsibilities as a data scientist could be very different. And my focus has been around the application of machine learning and deep learning on text data, or we can call it natural language processing. Okay, that's exciting. It's funny how you see the, the responsibilities are different. I feel like for me, you would be working on different types of data, doing different things with the data, but then I see the responsibility as being the same, obviously, unless you're in research or something like that. For me, when you are in industry, the responsibility is to help business make better decisions. 
through data or make people's life easier through data. So it's funny how we all have a different view on. Yeah, exactly. We're recording now and you are working with COGEX, but then by the time this episode is out, you're going to be moving to to a new company. Can you tell us a bit more about that? Sure, of course. So currently I'm a lead data scientist at COGEX, uh, but as you said, very soon I'll be joining another amazing company called Beamery. So at COGEX, we are developing a COGEX app. Uh, where machine learning and natural language processing are two inseparable parts of the COGEX app. And we are doing so many interesting projects within the data science team. As a tech lead of the data science team, I'm involved in all of our data science projects from text and video summarization, ranking and recommendation, auto-tagging podcast content, our knowledge graph development and also its maintenance. And also I'm involved in planning and designing current and future projects. But as soon as in two weeks, I'm going to move to Beamery. The application of AI in HR has been one of my favorite topics for years. And Beamery is about it. It actually is a talent lifecycle management platform. Okay. Which helps organizations to realize their business potential. And I'll be joining them as a lead data scientist. They have a data science team. They call it Edge Team. And I'm going to join the Edge Team very soon. That's exciting. And so you're moving from the podcasting world to HR. Yeah. Well, that's going to be a fun change. I love to see how with the your skills, you can just transfer to a different industry and, and make a difference there as well. We are talking about different industry, but if you look closer, we are talking about text data and again, natural language processing. So both work, the work that I am doing at COGIS and the work that I will work on at Beamery, they both are focused on text data and my role would be exactly the same. Definitely we'll having different projects, different problems. As you said, it's a different industry. But at the end of the day, it's again about NLP, it's algorithm, application of machine learning and deep learning on those kind of problems. That's the common point between these two jobs. Techniques will be the same, applications a bit different. (laughs) All right. So we've been talking a bit about NLP. That's what you're doing. And I guess we've never fully spoken about that on the podcast I see you explain a bit about the COGEX app and the way you're using NLP there. Could you give us a bit more details on how you're making NLP work for the app and how you're using that in your day-to-day? To answer your question, I think I first need to introduce very briefly what COGEX app is about. We are living in an era where knowledge and information are everywhere and Thanks to the internet, we can access them and learn from them. One of the best ways to learn about the topics that matters to us are podcasts. They are an amazing way to stay up to date and learn. But at the same time, discovering the best podcasts around our favorite subject could be a challenge. And that's where COGIX app helps you. It serves you a personalized feed of 30 second insight from the world's best podcasts on thousands of subjects. And uh, this 30 second inside is actually the snippet from the podcast episode that I'm going to talk about it more. Okay. In our beta version, Cogix app provides a simple way to set your learning topics. 
and then browse a snippet from a curated library of podcasts in a personalized feed. And while you hover overing the feed page, you can save, share, or recommend these snippets or content, and you can dive deep into the full episode. Also, another fascinating feature of the Cogix app is that you can join the community by seeing and connecting with other users who are listening to the matching content. So that's all about the Cogix and what it does in general. We are doing so many interesting projects actually at Cogix app. I think uh, one of the most interesting one to myself is the snippet identification one. So as I mentioned earlier, the snippets are basically the most important part of the podcast that we extracted from the podcast. And it should be so engaging for our users to encourage them to click and listen to the full episode. That's about the purpose of the similar identification project. And how we solve this problem, we have pipeline of speech recognizer NLP components, which here I'd like to more talk about the NLP component and specifically referring to a text summarizer, which is a core part of this NLP component. After having a podcast at the entrance of this pipeline, let's say, we convert, we transform a voice through our speech recognizer into a text data. And then from there, uh, we are facing pure text data. And then the problem became how we are going to summarize this podcast or this text data. So it's a text summarization problem. This is interesting. So I have, first of all, one thing to say. So one remark, which is, I wish I had known that before I met you. A couple of years ago, when we started with the podcast, I was trying to extract snippets. And you can't imagine how many times I had to listen to one episode to find (laughs) that one snippet that I felt like I could put on social media so much that I gave up on doing that. (laughs) I I can see how useful your tool is. And the other one is, you know, you've been talking about translating the voice into text. Mm-hmm. Have you faced any issues with accents? Because I have an accent. I've tried to do some transcriptions on the podcast and there were so many mistakes sometimes before because of my accent and things like that. Is that something you have to deal with? I see what you mean. Our focus at Cogis were mainly on the NLP components and for the speech recognizer part, we are using a third party so the answer to you is no, I haven't faced with any challenge, but I know that's a challenge. Of course, having different accents are challenges for speech recognition algorithm. And I'm sure the researchers in the fields, they can answer your question much better. I need to find one. Say <laughs> so how they resolve these issues. To be fair, I sorry, I'm hijacking your podcast, but it's just amazing to see how fast these things progress because I remember, so we're talking about accents, but I remember Google Translate. When I first moved to London, sometimes I was trying to translate sentences because I wasn't sure how to say things. And the translation was so poor. And now I can just go into Google Translate, say something or type something, and then there is barely any correction I have to do. So the technology goes so fast. I can imagine how much of an exciting space you are in. Exactly. I think that was a good example you made. Things are progressing very fast and you can see how 
things getting better and better in terms of their application and their as users of those kind of application we can see the difference right i have the same issue with google translate many years before and my own language is persian or farsi and when you want to use google translate it was much poorer than french and german mm. before but now it's a lot a lot better what an exciting world we live in <laughs> so back to your recommendation engine and, and snippets you explained a bit how the snippet works uh, no actually you said you have to translate it into text first so once you have it into text what do you do and then it became like a text summarization problem so you have let's say thousands of sentences then you need to summarize these thousand sentences to a few sentences so text summarization itself it is a hot topic in natural language processing and machine learning these days and it has been around since 1958 it has a very long story i think it's i would say in the past five years it has started to make a huge difference and thanks to deep learning uh, now we have very very good kind of algorithm that we can use on this kind of application but how does it work at cogix and how we do that you know we tested and developed many different versions of the snippet identification or text summarization from deep supervised learning to fully unsupervised learning even language agnostic ones due to our ip reason i cannot dig into that much of details oh, yeah. here but just to give a list your listeners an idea of how nlp can help to solve a text summarization i can make an example here with graph based summarizer imagine you have 100 sentences and you want to summarize the sentences into a few sentences how you can find out which one is the most important sentences in this in this document so you would consider a graph representation of this document. So if you have 100 sentences, you will have 100 nodes in the graph and each node is connected to all other nodes. So each node is connected here into 99 nodes. And then you need to find out the correlation between these nodes. And correlation here means the similarity between nodes or similarity between sentences. How we calculate the similarity, there are different ways to do that. The very basic one is you can see how many common words are between two sentences or how many semantic relevant words are in between two sentences. And then you assign the similarity score to each edge, which connecting two nodes to each other. And at the end of the algorithm, after an iterative refinement process, each node in this graph has a score, which is the summation of all edges, which is connected to that word. And it represents the importance of that node among all nodes in that graph. And then you can sort the importance and see which one comes first and that, and so on and so forth. So you will find out which few sentences are your most important sentences. That's a graph-based uh, summarization, which is fully unsupervised. I now wish I had paid more attention at university in graph theory. This was my nightmare's topic. I was like, oh, we're going to graph now. I don't want to go. <laughs> but it, it's good to see how it's actually applied at work. I feel like, you know, when you study things, they should give you more examples of applications like that. Yeah, Thank exactly. you so much. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing that. This is really fascinating. And we spoke a bit about the evolution, the fact that the field moves really fast and how even Google 
translation. It's, it's Google Translation, right? Yeah, it's Google Translate. In French, we call it Google Trad. And then I always get confused. <laughs> how is it called in English? Okay. So Google Translate, we saw how it evolves firsthand. But what do you think the future looks like for NLP? If we want to see how things could move on in future, it's good to see how it was in a few years back. I think somewhere around between 2010 and 2012, we had revolution in NLP, but not just NLP, in AI, in machine mm -hmm. learning. And also we had the emergence of data science as the data science that we know these days. And the reasons behind this revolution was first the explosion of data we were facing with enormous uh, amount of data. And then also uh, high performance computing became more accessible thanks to cloud computing during those years. And also the most important thing regarding AI, uh, we had the emergence of deep learning and especially for natural language processing, we had the emergence of representation learning. All of these together put their hands in hand and uh, makes this um, revolution and I think since then we are moving very fast and I'm not exaggerating if I say every few months we had a technology breakthrough in NLP and things are moving on very fast. And thanks to internet, all the researchers are connected to each other. We can read what other people do and even we can use them, you know, that we can reproduce their work. So the technology is moving very fast. You know, the integration of NLP in our daily life, as an example, you met the Google Translate as a free multilingual machine translation service. We have the NLP behind the scenes. Or maybe you tried Amazon Alexa or Google Assistant to understand and answer your questions, which again is NLP behind that. And we see the emergence of NLP across other industries like finance, healthcare and HR, yeah. uh, we see how it's going there. We see chatbots emergence in these industry. And I know that's not the best experience so far, but we are moving there. It's revolutionized the experience of our users, the patients, the way they interact. I think all of these AI technologies will shape and improve communication technology in the years to come. I'm looking forward to seeing that. And if someone is interested into breaking into this field, what would you say are the top skills that they would need? You mean the NLP or machine learning or data science? I, I guess NLP. If you, and you know, I believe data science is an interdisciplinary field. So you don't yeah. necessarily need to have a computer science background to be a data scientist. So scientists in different fields, they can apply machine learning on their own problem domains, which is great and amazing. And also thanks to amazing ML developers, we have around the world now, we have access to open source packages. So it's really easy to use those packages. Like if you want to develop a clustering algorithm, you don't need to develop it from scratch. You can just call a function and do it in a few lines of code. So became an NLP data scientist. It's not difficult because everything is there the knowledge you can learn from MOOC platform like Coursera, for example. The key thing, I think, is to get to know these algorithms, like how they are actually working, 
you need to be able to interpret this kind of algorithm, not just using these packages. Uh, you need to know the difference if you want to use different clustering algorithm or classification algorithm, which one you are going to use. You need to have an understanding first which one you are going to use. Or if you want to improve things, you need to know what are the parameters and how should you change it and why you should change it. So I think the first thing is to have a good understanding of the technology and to have a good understanding, I think the first starting point is having a good mentor. And then after having a good mentor, she or he will introduce you where you can learn things. From my side, I would always suggest Coursera as the best platform because they have a very systematic education system. It, every single course on Coursera is backed by a university. It's mm -hmm. not just individual instructor. So that's really good to start, for example, from Coursera. And you need to know what you want to do. The first project, you need to define some kind of project for yourself with the help of your mentor. And then based on that project, you need to take courses and then you can move on gradually. I hope it helps, Karen. Oh, yeah, definitely. And I, I said, okay, let's talk maybe about NLP. Right? This is applicable for any roles in, in data, yeah, I guess. I think so, yeah. We're speaking right now and I can feel your passion for the topic and how knowledgeable you are. And this is actually something I am really keen to talk about with you is how really were you able to find this passion and, and make it your work? You know, Karen, if I want to, to your question, there are some answers, but if I want to talk from my motivational side, I would say working in the UK is matters a lot to me. <laughs> I believe you can, in particular, London are one of the pioneers in AI, definitely. And we have big names companies in AI here, like Google DeepMind, amazing deep tech startups, some of the best AI accelerator in the UK, they're based in the UK, or they have branches in the UK, amazing research institute, like Alan Turing Institute, amazing universities and labs, you know, everything. And you see you are in the right community of NLP and AI scientists. So I used to attend so many meetups, especially in the first few years when I started my career. And I got to know so many amazing people who we shared the same passion. We were doing the same thing. And also we have the same passion. And when you meet people who you share the same passion, it kind of empowers your passion. It shapes your thinking Even you can see your career, your future in the career much better. You know, like-minded people, they, it always helps. So working in the UK, I think, as I said, I was important for me. And the other thing is, in general, me, myself, I like problem solving and uh, see how other people solve the same problem. And I think that's the case when you are a data scientist, especially if you work in a startup and you are facing with different constraints and limitation, constraints like time, money, even data. Sometimes there are yeah. not that much of data you can work with. So you need to deal with all of this kind of constraint and find out how you can solve this problem. And I think that also helps me to shape my passion as well. That was my passion. The work is the same thing. So they goes hands in hands, I guess. 
Yeah, I think also I need to mention having a supportive and like-minded husband also is important. Uh, my husband is a data scientist as well. Although we have a different kind of expertise, I'm more in NLP and he's more in recommendation and ranking. But I think we share the same passion. We join industry around the same time and we support each other along the way. We always discuss about when new things comes out or when there is a challenge at work, there is an interesting project. We always discuss about it and it's enjoyable for both of us. I can see how that can be very helpful and also very engaging. I, I'm picturing you discussing over dinner and exchanging ideas and doing things like that. That's really, that's really cool. <laughs> Because you gave some great tips to share, to find your passion around the community and making it feed from, how can I say that? It feels like I can feel the power of the community and mm -hmm. you being able to learn from the community and contributing to the community. That's definitely something I can relate to. And I'm sure many, many people can as well. But how would you say one can progress in their career? I think, as I mentioned before, It's good to make ourselves involved within the community, which we meet this community on a regular basis. So I remember it was a, a an amazing meetups called Southeast NLP Group. And I used to attend their meetups and I enjoyed their meetups. It was all before the pandemic. And I think that really helps because every time you got to know new people, you got to know new subjects, they're talking about new papers, someone is presenting a paper. I think It's really important to get yourself, as I said, involved in the right community and be connected with like-minded people. And also, especially if you are in the earliest stage of your career, considering mentor is very important because then you can see the path which is in front of you much clearer. So you can plan for it much better with the help of mentors so you can go faster. That's my tips about it, Karen. Thank you. Just to close this episode, I always ask if there is anything that you read, either you've mentioned a few times that you read articles and you talk with the community, but is there anything that you read, listen to, or watch that helps you in your career development and personal development? You know, as I mentioned Coursera a few times, I think Coursera is one of those platforms which I always keep my eye open on that and see if they introduce new courses. So if new courses comes out, I definitely take that course. And they have courses in different levels from beginner to advanced level. So mm. you always can learn from Coursera. And the other thing is, uh, Karen, you know, since I joined industry in 2015, I set up my Twitter account and I have an amazing community of NLP experts, AI experts in my Twitter account. And I'm connected with scientists, organizations, companies, research labs, conferences. So when something comes out, like when a new paper comes out, when a blog post has published, I'll be notified and I can read them and I can be up to date with them. Also, the other thing is, I'm volunteering for a woman, women in tech community called Women of MENA. MENA means Middle Eastern North African women. I'm volunteering for this community and every quarter we having an event. It's about tech subject. It's not necessarily AI. I try to keep myself open to other tech subjects, see how others are doing, like sustainability, for example. Yeah. Sometimes I feel like don't really know what's going on beyond AI and NLP. And I think that's also a good way to help myself to be familiar with other tech domains. 
This is actually something that's very important, something I see a lot and which was one of my motivators to start this podcast was that when you're in a field, you know, you're like a horse, you see your field and then it's very hard to understand what's going on outside of that field. So being open and finding out what's happening elsewhere is very important. And you might find out that you like it better (laughs) somewhere else or who knows. Yeah, who knows. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. That was uh, probably the most technical podcast I've run so far, but definitely very informative and I loved every bit of it. Thanks, Corinne. Thanks for having me. It was a pleasure to speak with you. Thank you for listening to the Women in Data podcast. We will be back in a couple of weeks with a new guest. Until then, if you have two minutes, it would be great if you could leave us a rating or a review as it helps not only to make the podcast more visible, but also to enhance the content. If you don't want to miss the next episode, follow us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. We are also on LinkedIn. And if you wish to, you can even register to the community for free. All you have to do is head to womenindata.co.uk. Have a great day.